Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. My name is Cindy Kuzma, and I am one of your co-hosts. And this week, I talked with Anne Malam. She's the founder and CEO of the fast-growing fitness chain, SolidCore. She describes the workout as Pilates intensified. And if you've ever tried it, I think you know that that's really true. You know that shaking limb, burning core feeling you get. Anyway, before SolidCore, Anne started Back on My Feet a running program for people experiencing homelessness. And just to add to the list of big goals she's accomplished, she has run a marathon on all seven continents. You'll hear it in our conversation, but Anne is really the perfect guest for our segment on contributing generously. There's a through line in all she does and the way it aligns with her values of growth and contribution. And that extends to her next big goal, which is to run the Rock and Roll DC Marathon in March, just 10 months after a serious jet ski injury and a broken femur. Now, if you know my work at all, you know that recovery from injury is a topic that I care a lot about. So we talk about that and how having this big goal of the marathon is motivating for her, and also how the support of her community fuels her. I do want to apologize a little for the audio here. We had some technical difficulties and ended up recording this by phone instead of our usual setup, and that's never ideal. But Anne's message comes through loud and clear anyway. Thanks for listening, and here is my interview with Anne. Here I'll sit, I'll be on the road, I'll be back, I'm just reaching for a goal, so don't be upset when I'm not afraid. This is Cindy Kuzma, and I'm here on the We Got Goals podcast with Anne Malum. And thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Anne, before we even get started, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, as you said, my name is Anne Malum, and uh, I am an entrepreneur. I like to think of myself as an entrepreneur who likes to build uh, with purpose. Uh, what I mean by that is the two things that I have started and, and built um, have been very near and dear to my heart and have impacted me personally, and my guess is you're going to ask me about both of them. Yeah, yeah, right. They're the two things you have built, Back on My Feet and Solid Core. And as you say, you are dedicated to building things with purpose. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk with you today, because we're doing a segment right now on contributing generously and looking at entrepreneurs who have this built into their businesses, their nonprofits, or whatever it is they start. Um, so I guess tell people who don't know about Back on My Feet just a little bit about what that was and how you were inspired to start it. Uh, absolutely. So Back on My Feet is a nonprofit that I started in 2007 in Philadelphia. And uh, while I was in this point in my life of definitely searching for my calling, my purpose, my meaning, something that sort of made me feel like your time is worthy and valuable and you're making an impact, um, I did not plan to, to, to go out and start a nonprofit. It happened really organically. I was running, uh, which I did a lot back in those days, and I'm still a runner, but I was fanatical about it back then, uh, and I ran every morning until around 5.30, and for whatever reason, in May of 2007, I began to take notice um, to these guys outside of a homeless shelter that was about a quarter of a mile away from my apartment. And um, long story short, we built a we built a rapport over the next couple of weeks, and and I had this idea that I would start a running club for that shelter. And after some convincing of the staff at the shelter, and you know, getting shoes donated and everything else, I was able to get nine guys enthusiastically interested enough to want to be part of the running club. And over the next few weeks of watching the behavior and attitude and community form, uh, it was pretty apparent to me that 
this was going to be something incredible, at least it could be, if it got the type of attention and nurturing that it needed to turn into a fully-fledged nonprofit. So I, you know, went out on a limb and was very convinced by the idea and the people that I saw and um, this vision of what I thought this organization could be and could do and started building and growing and making a ton of mistakes and brought a lot of smart people involved um, to help me along that journey. And yeah, we built this amazing organization that is privately funded, about $6.5 million annual budget, um, has 50-plus employees, and it's helped literally thousands of men and women living in shelters have a much more self-sufficient life than they did when we um, first met them. So we use running as a vehicle to create self-sufficiency by building um, a new identity for our members into somebody who sees themselves as someone who is strong, independent, uh, team player, hardworking, ambitious, uh, can set and accomplish goals. And when you can transform somebody's identity like that, it's pretty amazing what they can accomplish. Yeah, well, as a runner myself, and having just seen the power of the sport in so many people's lives, it's something, I mean, I've always been in awe of this organization and the work that you've done with it. And it's just a, an incredible example of, of running and of also someone with a vision and a goal, um, you know, transforming other people's lives. So you were there for, you built this big organization, and then you decided um, to move on and start something new. Was that a difficult decision? How did you make that? And uh, how did you make the transition? It was difficult. And for anybody who's listening, who's ever started something and been a founder, um, I think people feel that way about anything they get attached to. You know, you sort of feel like it is a big part of your identity. And I definitely felt that with Back on My Feet. And on top of that, I felt so fulfilled for so many years of being able to help so many people, which frankly came out of some pain from my family life. Um, my, my dad, you know, knows that I talk about this, but uh, he, he's an addict and he went through drug and alcohol recovery when I was really young and then gambling when I was a teenager. And that really forced me into running. I just needed an outlet for this energy. And um, yeah, so years later, finding these individuals who reminded me of my dad and then really being able to help them through this sport um, that I got into when my dad addiction was, uh, at a, at a high, I guess, pun, in, pun maybe not intended. Mm. And, um, yeah, so like it was, it was very challenging to move on from it, but I, when I, I remember first feeling like it was time to do something new about a year before I actually ended up stepping down and you fight those things, right? Because it's like, gosh, this is in front of me. This is familiar. It's going really well. I'm helping all these people and change and letting go no matter what it is when you have a comfort um, that's been there, especially for years, is very difficult. And so it took some soul searching, but if I was being really honest with myself, um, these voices didn't go away. And I sort of was like, wow, I, I think I really am meant to be a serial entrepreneur and it is my gift to the world to create and build. And frankly, I'm, I'm not like the best operator. No one would ever hire me to come, you know, and operate a business that's, you know, 10, 15 years in, it's not my sweet spot. And so feeling like I did my part with back on my feet and I created it and, you know, got it to the point that it felt really stable and sustainable with a group of people that it was time to turn it over to somebody else and time for me to spread my entrepreneurial wings again. Um, and especially after I found, you know, Pilates, um, 
I felt that I could build a really strong community around this way of working out that I felt just people weren't aware of. And I sort of looked at it as my responsibility and obligation and my next thing to get out to the, to the world. So it became an easier choice once I figured out, you know, what was next and also feeling really good. Like I said, about turning back on my feet over to uh, its successor and leaving it in a really great position to continue to build upon. Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about that idea that um, this contributing generously is built into what SolidCore is too. But just to talk about that year for a minute, that year between when you first kind of started feeling that itch and when you actually made the decision, what does that actually look like? I mean, I think people want to follow their intuition sometimes or think that they should, but they don't always know how to get to that point. Like, how did you really tune into that and and take steps to know that that was the right thing? What is that discernment like for you? Yeah, and I think if people are honest with themselves, they, they, they'll they hear the same voices that I heard, right? Like, you, you it's easy to just stay where you are, um, and it's easy to defend that. You know, I could have been back on my feet for the next 10 years, and I don't think anybody would have questioned, you know, what I'm doing with my life um, or thought that it, quote-unquote, wasn't impressive, and I'm sure it would have been, you know, continued to be fulfilling. Um, but I sort of define that as like living life in the middle. Um, and that's never been of interest to me. I, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan, frankly. And one of the lessons he really teaches around um, needs and what your needs are. And he's convinced after all the work he's done with human beings that we all have the same needs. We just value them differently. And that really resonated with me as I think about everybody in my life and my own journey and the different things that I valued. And the six things he says, you know, one is security, two is variety, three is significance, four is love, five is growth, and six is contribution. And they can be weighted however differently um, for each individual. And I, for myself, I have always felt that like growth and contribution are at the top of my list. Um, I definitely don't value security. I don't need a lot of that in my life to be happy. Um, And so if I was really being honest about who I was as a human, I knew that I would continue to make a greater impact and grow more if I was willing to continue to go into the unknown. And like I said, I didn't, I wasn't planning to leave back on my feet in a sloppy position and be like, whatever, I don't care. I'm ready for the next thing. Uh, one of the things I take really seriously as a founder or anything that I do um, is making sure whatever it is I'm building long outlasts me. It's not about me. It's about this mission and vision that you're trying to put out there into the universe. And if it's about you and it's all about you and if you're trying to build something that doesn't work without you, like it's just not the responsible and frankly mature choice to be making. And so I try to keep that in mind with all the decisions that I make. Mm, That's fascinating. And I I need to look into Tony Robbins more because so many people I respect follow his teachings or or have resonated with things that he said, but that list of of values, that makes so much sense and really gives a helpful framework to think about it and to think about how it is different for each person, but identifying what that is for you and knowing that that's um, where where you need to be. (laughs) Yeah, it really helps you kind of understand where you gravitate to and why. Like I always tell people when they're like, oh, I don't know what I want to be doing with my life. I'm like, well, where do you naturally go? Right? Like, where do you, what do you read? What are you watching? What activities are you doing? And that really helps a lot because it's this, this effort that is voluntary of where you're putting your time into. And I think to not pay attention to that is 
harmful to what may be a bigger purpose that you may have and frankly, more, more happiness. But yeah. And like I said, none of those are right or wrong and they sometimes evolve over time. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can figure out again, a lot of people value security and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's just knowing that about yourself and then be like, okay, gosh, it makes sense why I sort of choose these decisions and why I honor uh, tradition and why I honor, you know, community. I mean, all of these needs can have very solid attributes behind them. But yeah, it's just a big, I think, learning lesson to discover more about yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine having smart people around you too, to kind of help you see, I know I found it helpful to talk to other people and have them reflect back to me where my energy seems to be going, right? Or like, what I, what do I light up when I talk about? Like that's, uh, it seems like another way to kind of figure out what it is really, what, what direction might be a good one for you. Yeah, and lastly, when you say that, you know, people are kind of ready to leave, uh, I I do a good amount of uh, public speaking, and I really enjoy that. And one of the things I say to people that resonates all over, no matter what the age group or the, you know, color of somebody's skin or anything else, is like we all paint this picture in our head about what is going to happen if something doesn't work out. And we paint this horrible, drastic, draconian picture that's just not true. And so that's what keeps us from really making big moves in our life because we all of a sudden put ourselves in a video game and we're like, oh my gosh, if I try to open, you know, this bakery uh, and I don't sell as many cakes and this doesn't happen and all of a sudden it's going to get closed and I'm going to end up, you know, never having a job again and I'm going to end up living on the street and I'm going to do this and therefore this is stupid and I shouldn't do it. And we just create this story that, you know, has a really high likelihood of not, not happening, but it's almost mm-hmm. out of fear. And, and then we, again, just choose to stay put. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't choose to stay put as we've discussed. Uh, so I want to hear again about how this idea of contribution figures into solid core, but first let's tell people just in case, you know, we're in, I'm in Chicago and some of our listeners are, so they'll likely have experience with solid core, but just in case uh, we have someone who hasn't experienced it yet, um, tell people what it is and uh, how it relates to Pilates. Yeah, so one of the things that is hard to describe is actually what solid core is. And we had debated, like, honestly, it's still a debate of do we put this word Pilates in our descriptor? And we found that it is beneficial to do that because you have to put us somewhere and you have to have a frame of reference for people. So we have added an amplifier to the word Pilates, which is intensified. So it is an mm. intensified Pilates class that is frankly designed for uh, athletes. And there's a lot of people out there, I'm not talking about professional athletes, although we have plenty of those in the studios, but it's how you define your, you know, define yourself. A lot of us played sports in high school. We consider ourselves really active, you know, and we want to like figure out the way to optimally um, have the best performance physically. And so solid core is designed with that in mind. It is one of the most challenging workouts you will ever do. Um, But ironically, it's also one of the safest. You're not jumping and pounding. It's a total body workout, and yes, you are on a machine that is a cross between a Pilates reformer and a total body gym, so you are pushing or pulling resistance the entire 50 minutes, going as slowly as you possibly can to not use momentum and really make your muscles do the work, and the goal and the science behind the workout is to break down your slow twitch muscle fibers, um, which then elevates your metabolism as well as uh, creates nice long lead toned muscles in your body as those fibers repair and reconnect. Um, it's super effective. I know that I own the company and run it, but 
as I said before, I don't start or build things that aren't impactful to me. And when I decided that I was going to do this, it's because nothing had ever made my body look the way that it did before this workout. And I have done multi, you know, double digit marathons, boot camps. Like I am a self-disciplined athlete who works out all the time. And I was shocked to see my body both lean out, have abs for the first time in my mid thirties. Um, and also just feeling so much stronger, so much more confident, uh, have not been injured from working out since starting solid core. I really just think it is like the ultimate um, workout and it's the most efficient way to spend your time um, exercising your body. Yeah. And you started solid core in 2014. Is that right? At end of 2013, November. So yeah. And how many studios are you up to now? Yes. I don't know when this podcast is airing, but <laughs> as of uh, January 17th, we have 67 and we're opening another studio tomorrow. Um, so 68 studios in about six years and really proud of that. Again, I love to build and create things, but I hope it, hope it tells people too that like you don't get to 68 studios in six years without having a product that works. Um, and it's been such a joy. It's still like one of my the most favorite part about my job is, you know, meeting clients, getting emails, phone calls, texts, and people just being like, thank you so much. This has changed my life, my body, the way I see myself, the way I work out. I don't have to obsess over constantly working out for hours a day. You don't have to obsess over food. Um, and that's just like such a cool, a cool thing to constantly hear from people. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, again, if you look at, at sort of the nonprofit and the studio, like I think it, maybe people have an easier time seeing how the nonprofit relates to contributing generously and to this, this contribution aspect of what you say your values are, but I can hear it come through in the way you talk about it, that this is so much in alignment with that aspect of you. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Like if, uh, if I'm a lot of things and there are good attributes and not so great attributes, but one thing I can say confidently is I am authentic in the things that I get involved in and I would never be leading this company if uh, I didn't believe in solid core. And I literally plan my travel around getting my book up in. So uh, this podcast is again called We Got Goals and it's all about goal setting. And you may have already answered this, but one of the big questions that we have on this podcast is what a big goal that you've accomplished is, why it was important to you and how you got there. So, I mean, if you had to choose one thing you've done, um, what would you highlight? Probably um, last year, it's a physical one. So last March, I uh, finished my goal of running a marathon on every continent. And I ran the Antarctica Marathon on end of March 2019. And, you know, I was sitting there, it was mid-January last year. And uh, I had done, you know, these marathons on the other continents years ago. And I had signed up for the Antarctica Marathon twice, and I was in the midst of solid core in the beginning stages, and I just didn't feel like it was the right time to go, so I kept putting myself on the wait list. And then I was like, you know what, like, I'm 38 years old, like, this has got to get done, and I'm just going to do it. Um, So, yeah, I signed up, and I hadn't been really running that much, frankly, over the course of the last five years since I had been doing solid core. So I trained. I trained for this marathon in seven uh, seven or so weeks and yeah, I went down to Antarctica, had an amazing time, met some incredible people. Um, and then went and ran, you know, 26.2 miles. And that was, it was just like a cool experience to reconnect myself with the sport. Um, that kind of actually propelled me back into my 
second career with it. So that got done. And then, uh, as they say, when you're busy making plans or something of the sort, uh, God's up there laughing at you. Uh, so as I'm like sort of getting back into my, you know, running career and making plans to kind of improve my race times, um, I was in a pretty bad jet ski accident this summer that resulted in a compound femur fracture in the water, seven surgeries in and out of the hospital all summer and running a marathon for me sort of is that way to show that recovery. Yeah. So um, I read a lot about injury and recovery and I, I know how difficult all of that is. And so I'm so glad you're okay now. And, and I'm so sorry for all of that. Um, uh, but yeah, talk to me about this, this goal of, of setting that goal of running the marathon and, and how it is, like, why that is so important to you. Um, and, you know, I mean, most people would think maybe that just kind of getting back to your normal level of functioning again might be, um, you know, a good first goal. But what is it that, about having that bigger goal and that short timeline that's so motivating to you? Yeah, Cindy, I think it goes back to identity, right? Like, I define myself as an athlete, and I think about the things that make me really happy. A huge part of that list is activity. It's running, it's volleyball, it's racquetball, it's solid core, all of these things. And if it's purely a matter of effort to get me back to where I need to be, like, I'm done. I will, I don't, I've never had an issue with um, hard work or doing the work. Frankly, I, I like it, and that's where I thrive the most. And so it was just a few short weeks after the accident, um, still like using a, a walker and, you know, not being able to really get around much um, by myself and still depending on a lot of people. And I was like, you know what, like I'm signing up for this marathon and it'll be a great goal. It's about um, 10 months uh, after this, this injury. And I felt it would be really important to my recovery to have this big audacious goal to be driving to that would make me feel like I worked to get my fitness back to a level that I know that I'm really going to enjoy life and be able to do all the things that I, you know, want to do. And so when I signed up, you know, my boyfriend, a couple of people were like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'll do it with you. And I'm like, yeah, that's great if you want to. And then, um, you know, just kind of everybody who heard about it was just like, Oh my gosh, I, can I do it, run it with you? And, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, why don't we do this as a group? And so pretty soon there was close to 10 people. And then I was like, well, listen, if this is going to be a thing, I'm really going to make it a thing. And mm-hmm. so I like took to social media and started to call out a few of my other friends and colleagues and kind of made this goal, like, let's get a hundred people to do this. And that seemed to happen in minutes. And then, you know, it just kept growing. And now there are 600 and I think six people. Our team is capped. We actually don't have room for any more because we're providing this after party and the shirt and everything else. Um, yeah, 606 people signed up to, you know, do this race and they're either doing the full marathon or the half marathon. And we have this whole team called Stronger Together. And then a lot of the people, the majority of folks that have decided to do this have never ran this type of distance before. And so it's like, all of these people coming together to do something that they've been talking about that they've said that they wanted to do uh, for years and are finally making the commitment to do it. So I think it's going to be an incredible weekend. Um, we have, again, this massive party to celebrate after and just a weekend of inspiration and encouragement and support and love and um, accomplishment. I'm really excited. 
Yeah, well, it's fascinating, too. So, I mean, again, I write about this a lot, and I actually just had a book come out the end of last year about the psychological aspects of recovering from injuries for athletes specifically. And it's so, um, you know, two of the things that are the hardest, as you kind of hit on, are that loss of identity, that who am I if I can't move my body in the way that I want to, and also Mm -hmm. um, isolation. And you have, like, designed this way to make yourself new goals and also get yourself the support that you need. And I think that (laughs) it makes so much sense in terms of when we see athletes who successfully come through something like this versus those who struggle more. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I, I think it's, it's pretty awesome. So when you have a goal like that, you know, whether it's the, the goal of running the Antarctica marathon with seven weeks of training or, or running this marathon, um, in the, in the 10 months since the accident, I mean, how do you kind of approach building up to it? Is it like you have that big goal and you're like, I'm going to go full steam ahead and see what works and what doesn't, or do you like plan really detailed steps along the way? Or how do you get from, from A to B in these situations? Yeah. I mean, you really have to listen to your body. My leg is definitely not normal, so to speak. And it's not, uh, enjoyable. It's not enjoyable to be running, right? It's work and I'm fighting through good pain and bad pain at times. Um, and listening to my doctors and doing the PT work and getting massages and stretching and, you know, making sure that I'm rebuilding muscle that's lost, you know, in my glute and my leg. I do, I do a lot of solid core, um, to get back to that level of, you know, muscular strength that I was, um, before. And it's just this commitment to doing the cardio, right? Running and walking. And when I couldn't be running, I was on the bike and I was on the elliptical machines, um, making those efforts to get my cardio fitness back to the level it needs to be to sustain yourself through, you know, running 26 miles. So, and now like I'm running, um, I'm running about four days a week now. I did my longest run this last weekend at six, about six and a half miles. And then this weekend, uh, I'll do about eight miles. Um, so I'm gradually building and it is a different sort of approach than, you know, other marathons. I'm not concerned with my time, right? Like I just want to finish. I want to make sure that I'm not doing damage to, you know, my legs. So that's what I need about the balance of listening to, you know, to my body and making sure that I'm letting, um, the leg recover after I'm running. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's learning a little bit of a new normal too, right? Like I said, I don't, I don't run quite as normally as I used to. So also adding in visits to the chiropractor while I'm picking up my running to make sure that my alignment stays where it needs to stay and that I'm not creating other issues for other parts of my, my body as well. So yeah, that's the plan that uh, sort of works for me. I'm not on a specific training plan. Like I have done enough of these in the past to sort of know what works um, for me. And so sticking to like the four days a week running and getting a longer run in on the weekend, uh, seems to, to be a strategy that again, works for me. Yeah. So that's sort of the physical aspect of your training. Um, what about on the psychological side? I mean, I know that even people who are optimistic, who have support, who, um, have a goal, um, sometimes you can still be discouraged or go through low moods or hard times when you're going through recovery from something like this. So what has that been like for you and how have you adjusted your mindset or worked on the psychological aspect of it to stay positive? Yeah, great question. And I think, I think so much of life, right, even like anything that you're in, people tend to get upset and frustrated when they don't have proper expectations. And like, I think that is such an important line. I'm going to say it again. You need to have proper expectations for what you're getting into. And entrepreneurship uh, is an example of that. And then I'll come back to the running. You know, like it's like building a solid core, right? Like there's 68 studios. If you don't think that, if I didn't think that there was going to be major problems along the way, 
when those problems occurred, you know, they destroy you. They win and they consume you because you weren't expecting them. Um, and they seem much bigger and insurmountable than they are. And you don't have the right mindset or the game plan um, because you're just expecting everything to go smoothly all the time. So, again, improper expectations. And the same thing goes for the running. Like, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to be that like, I'm going to run five miles today. And, like, gosh, I didn't get there. Like, after three, my leg was throbbing. Like, I can't control that, right? I can control how I respond to it and how I deal with it after the fact. Um, and I, that's just like the important, and I have learned, I have learned that from a mental perspective that when, uh, I focus on the things that I can control and not the things that can't rattle me, then I find that I stay in pretty good headspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that we've, so the book that I wrote is co-authored with a woman who's a mental skills coach, like a, a sports psych <laughs> expert. And that is one of the things that she advises is even like visualizing success and visualizing failure and like knowing what you'll do and how you'll respond <laughs> in that situation. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about. Totally. And you just, you, you'll, I think you'll be amazed how much more poised you become when like you're kind of preparing for things to go wrong, you have to know specifically, but it's like this stuff happens and you're not the only one. Everybody's, you know, lights and plans take a turn sometimes. And I also have like found that for myself. I'm not the only one out there to ever break a leg. And so I can, again, either consume myself in my own uh, ego, so to speak, or just like self-centeredness, which frankly, I think um, gets people in trouble too. When you scale back and be like, you know, People have gotten through a lot worse than, than I have. And, uh, again, I'm not the only one to ever go through recovery. So how is my attitude going to be through this? Am I going to look for the excuses? Am I going to look for the reasons to get upset? Or am I going to look for the positive in things and put, choose to focus on the accomplishments and the progress that I'm making? Um, and that's just the road I choose to take. Yeah. Yeah. So we found too, again, that athletes who are successful at this are like the ones who do celebrate like every step along the way, you know, they have that big goal, but they're like, oh, well, today I walked an extra step or I bent down to tie my shoes when I couldn't do that before. And those things are all worthy of celebration too. So I would imagine you probably take that time to to celebrate those landmarks, even though you have these bigger goals too, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you can't sort of stop along the way, and, you know, think about how you got there and really, you know, give gratitude to, to where you're getting there. Um, the big goals when you get there, it's like, doesn't, they don't mean anything then because if you, you know what I mean? If you're not kind of reflecting along the way, then everything kind of feels like it's, it bleeds together, so to speak. Um, and I try to sell you know, celebrate those accomplishments. And even when the marathon, you know, that happens on the 28th of March, you know, the marathon is that one day, but it's like all the hard work you know, the months before that got you there. And that's just the stuff to celebrate, you know, um, when it's cold out and when it's dark out and when, you know, you're not feeling great and getting it done anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think it takes, I think re- reflecting on your mental toughness and your commitment to your goals is really important. And I think you'll learn a lot about yourself um, by doing so. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, which does um, sort of lead me to ask too, if you don't mind answering, like, what would happen or what might happen, do you think, if you don't achieve this goal, if you either aren't able to start the race or aren't able to complete the race? How will you feel? Um, again, they will be for reasons that are out of my control. It will not be due to my mental fortitude or my lack of training. So if, you know, that happens for whatever reason or I feel like I'm doing damage 
that's not going to benefit me uh, or something again happens to me now and then. Um, I, you got to learn to let those things go, but I will be doing everything in my, my power and with my time and energy to, you know, make sure that this happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, the second question we always ask on this show is a big goal you have for the future and how you plan to achieve it. But um, I feel like we've really just talked about that unless you have also another big goal that you want to, to share. Yeah, I think with, frankly, um, with SolidCore, right, like we're tra- our goal is to get to 100 studios by the end of 2020, and we are on pace to do that. Some of that might spill into January, but I'm not going to beat up, beat myself up or my team up over that. Um, we've got a great game plan in place and it's something that I said we were going to do you know two to three years ago is by the end of 2020 um have 100 studios so uh we're all driving and pushing toward that for this year and um when that happens it'll also just be an amazing accomplishment and time to reflect off of the last seven years and how much work and effort and tough decisions and just um nonstop commitment to this company the people that work here our clients and our mission and what does it take to get to that level? I mean, and imagine there are like sort of inflection points along the way when you get to X number of studios and you have to change a little bit to get to the next level, to get to the next level. I mean, what are the strategies that you are going to have to use to get from here to there that are maybe different from what you've used to get to this point? Yeah, one, it's the, it's your team, right? Like, and we have a, an amazing team and it's, you know, adding people to those teams and departments where you see like, you know, okay, can we open up 40 studios this year versus 23 last year? You know, what's inhibiting us from doing that? And I think having those collaborative conversations with folks to make sure that people, you know, have what they need um, to to do what you're asking of them. Um, and then always asking, like, are, is what we're doing working? And people who work for me and with me know that you will never hear me say the line, you know, well, that's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't operate that way. You know, what might have worked for us in 2019 uh, might not be the best way to move forward in 2020. And I think that's what keeps us, you know, as one of the leading companies in the fitness space and keeps us growing really quickly. We're, again, don't shy away from the tough conversations, from potential restructures and, you know, during all that stuff, which can be tricky conversations, just always trying to take their high road and be transparent um, when those decisions have to be made um, for the betterment of the company and everybody involved. And that's my job as a CEO. Mm. Are you an example of a tough conversation or a tough decision you had to make in the past? Um, yeah, so uh, those are always around personnel issues. You know, when people have been with you for a while and you outgrow the talent and you is not going to best serve the company and frankly that that person is not going to be successful in their role. Um, and so that's, that's never, that's never easy, right? No matter how you try to shape that conversation or try to communicate it, um, it, it doesn't feel good on the, you know, on the other end when hearing that. And I, and I do understand that and try to put myself, you know, in that individual's shoes. Um, and the best we can do is just treat our employees, you know, past, um, and present, you know, with just the utmost of integrity. And that's what we, you know, try to do each time, whether there's a, a transition or a change in role and really trying to be, you know, transparent with our, with our teammates so that there can hopefully be a mutual understanding of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That does seem really hard, but it sounds like you do have a really compassionate approach to it, which which makes sense given your focus on community. So I don't know, just tell me a little bit more about the Solid Core community, like what that means to you and how that community is enabling you to continue growing. Uh, our community is, is the best. And it's, you know, and I, I also hate when people get on podcasts or in interviews and they talk about their company or their product and they're like, oh my gosh, our product is for everybody. You'll never hear me say that, right? Nothing is for everybody. Not every person is going to love every product, every experience out there. And uh, we've, we've been pretty vocal about that. Our, our community is one that is inclusive. It is one that likes intensity. It is one that likes to challenge themselves, to discover what they're capable of, um, and very supportive of people around them and non-judgmental. And that is a community that I am very proud of. And everybody who, you know, works here, the client here, or the coach here, you know, I think would tell you the exact same thing, that that is felt in, in all the studios. When you come into Solid Core, we ask 100%. Uh, and we know that you showed up today because you wanted to be held accountable to what your potential is. And it is the job of the coach and the community to make you rise to your potential every time to show that you can do more with our team than you could do on your own. And I think that is a big reason. And we've seen it in consumer studies why people, you know, come back to, to, to work out here. Um, we make a point to say your name in class to get to know you. Um, Solicor is small group fitness. So you're not in a sea of like 60 folks in a dark room where like no one knows if you showed up or not. Um, we know and recognize when you're there and it's the coach's job to get to know the client, see them progress, um, and make sure that that client knows that the coach is seeing that kind of progression. So, yeah, again, it goes back to being a really authentic place and being unabashed um, about about who we are and standing up for what we think is right and being leading examples in helping people create the strongest versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Although I do want to say the rooms are dark, right? <laughs> but I see that no, of course. Yeah, yeah they, right, they, but... They are dark, um, but you have mirrors all over and there's no more than, um, I think our biggest studio is 18 machines right now. So uh, your coach definitely knows when you're there and, again, is making sure to give you that personalized attention as he or she is coaching around the, the room in the 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, and I can't thank you enough for sharing everything with me today. And we've talked about a lot of different strategies that I think that people will be able to take away from this about setting goals, about overcoming obstacles. But I don't know if there are one or two key pieces of advice that we haven't already talked about that you give people facing an obstacle, whether it's in their business or, or their health. Um, what would you say? Um, obstacles in either one area, uh, I probably would honestly go back to the, to the, to both what's the worst case scenario and having the right expectations. You know, I, I see, and I know we all do too. You see, we have people in our lives that, you know, whether they're constantly, whether complaining about something or just nothing goes right. And, oh my gosh, this happened and this happened. Um, and I, again, it's remembering that, you know, unexpected things happen to everybody every single day. And it is how you show up against those unexpected things and how you respond to them. And you can either choose to, you know, respond or react. And then I would go back to, if you're, again, having whether what issues in your life or professional life, really thinking through what's important to you and what you what you want and what you're doing that's getting in the way of what it is that you want 
I try to point the fingers at my myself. And again, we all fall into traps where we like catch ourselves not doing that. Um, but the only thing you can control is yourself. And that's the only thing you can also empower, you know, to really, I think, have an impact on your life because you can't control what anybody else is going to do or going to say. So, yeah, I try to focus a lot on personal responsibility and accountability and focus on the things that uh, I can make an impact on. Yeah. Yeah. What you focus on is going to change the way you feel for sure. And if you focus on the things you can control, you're always going to feel more empowered and confident. And that is going to take you to the next level for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anne, I can't thank you enough again for joining me today. Um, Before I let you go, I want to make sure people know where they can find you, where they can find Solid Core. So what's the best way for people to keep tabs on your, both your personal journey toward the marathon and the journey of the company? Yeah, thanks for asking. So Solid Core, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, We're not really on Twitter. That's the best way to keep up with us. And same thing with me on Instagram, which is Anne Malum. And then if you want to keep tabs on the marathon and our big team um, running on March 28th, uh, our Instagram handle for that one is Run Stronger Together. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anne. Uh, grateful for your time and have a great day. Thanks, Cindy. You do the same. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. This podcast is a SweatLife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would truly appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mano for our theme music, to our guests this week, Anne Malum, to Brian Deffitt for editing, and of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.